Blog Talk Radio.
Beasley to Gary Indiana for the second annual Black Wall Street USA National Convention, October 21st through October 23rd at the Genesis Convention Center in downtown Gary, Indiana. Join us in our efforts to make Black Wall Street districts in the U.S. vital, clean, safe, and attractive business districts for employers, the community, and visitors. Listen to Black Wall Street USA Radio each Thursday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on our national website. Our theme this year is Make Me a World. To register, visit www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com. That's blackwallstreetdistrict.com. Join us today and touch the world. We want to welcome you to Black Wall Street USA for Thursday, May 26, 2011. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue, founder of CBBN, author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions, Book One 2010, and your co-host for this evening's show. Our host, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and publisher of the South Street Journal, will be joining us shortly. Opening up the show tonight was the Sax Preacher, also known as Minister Rahim, who heads up the Temple of Mercy Association right here in Chicago, located at 1716 West 79th Street. Tonight's show is Poverty a Disease. Kingsley Jones, author of Curing the Poverty Disease, obviously believes that it is and that he has the cure. We're going to find out this evening. Also joining us this evening will be Ms. Cheryl Calvin, Vice Chair of Black Wall Street Chicago. Ms. Calvin is head of the Government Oversight Committee, and the question this evening is, who is following the money designated for our communities? Ms. Calvin is, and we're going to hear from her this evening. We want to thank last week's guest, well, a week before, we've been off the air for about a week, but we want to thank RAGE, Residents Association of Greater Inglewood, for the great job that they're doing over in the Inglewood community in Chicago, and also for joining us for our show last week. You can listen to our interview with Ms. Ashe Butler in our archives right here at www.blogtalkradio.com slash cbbn. Black Wall Street USA is the official broadcast of Black Wall Street National thanks to the support of our national office. You can listen to our shows at www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com. Our link is right there on their main page, blackwallstreetdistrict.com. Join us every Thursday evening right here for Black Wall Street USA. We're here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday evenings, and we want you to be here with us and to be, to be a part of sustaining and increasing black businesses across the country. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, give us a call, 312-239-8835. As a matter of fact, our June 2nd show will feature the Black Wall Street Youth Committee, and we want to thank our youth facilitator, Ms. Felicia Miller, for all the hard work she is putting forth in uh, working with our youth in the community. You can join her at Ms. Felicia's Talent Showcase on Monday evenings over at Vons. That's located at 6633 South Ashland in Chicago. They're there from 7 to, 9, 7 to 11 p.m. on Mondays. That's Vons at 6633 South Ashland. Uh, that's the Talent Showcase. Artists of all ages are welcome, 0 to 99. Clean lyrics only. This is a family-oriented talent event. Come out and some, support our local artists and come out and support our youth. That's Miss Felicia's Talent Show, Monday evening, 7 p.m. to 11, 6633 South Ashland. $5 at the door and $5 to enter the talent show. That's a good deal. 
Get there early because I understand it is wall to wall. And in a moment, we're going to have the chairman give us an update on the Black Wall Street Chicago's Youth Committee. Now, on June the 9th, uh, our show will feature writers from across the country, including Black Wall Street member Mr. Al Wynn, who is the author of A Pimp and a Hustler. Now, it may not be what you think, so call in that night and find out what it's about. And also, we uh, hope to have Dr. Webb Evans, who has a new book out on black economics. So if you're a writer and you'd like to be featured on that show, give us a call, 312-239-8835, 312-239-8835. It should be uh, in tune as to what the theme of the show is. So if you've got a book on economics, uh What's going on in our community will be happy to add you to our guest list that evening. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. This show has a national focus. We reach out to organizations and individuals across the nation in our efforts to connect the dots, the spiritual dots of our people across this land. Our question for this year is, what did black America accomplish in 2010, and what is the number one priority for our communities in 2011? We're going to be asking each of our guests that show, including this evening. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. That is how we connect. Let's welcome the chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago to the air, Ron Carter. How are you this evening? I'm doing very fine, Sonia. How are you? I'm doing just great, doing great. Now, uh, let's get started. There's a lot covered. Cheryl Cavan is coming on, and uh, Mr. Kingsley Jones is coming on this evening. So we've got a full show. Let's uh, let's find out what's going on with Black Wall Street in Chicago, and let's have an update on the Black Wall Street Youth Committee. Yeah, but you know, you said something a little earlier when you were talking about the uh, the uh, the authors program that's going to be coming up, and you made a statement saying that it's not what they may think it is. I think it is <laughs> what they think it is. Matter of fact, it is what they think it is. The book says it for itself. It's about a pimp and a hustler. That is exactly what it is. That's cleaning up a little bit, Rod. Can't clean up a pimp and a hustler. A pimp and a hustler, you can't clean it up. Uh, But I can say that when I first met Mr. uh, Alwyn, uh, it was it was it when our summit when I came to the it was a reception and I was coming in kind of uh, late, uh, you know, to make my uh, my welcome address. And as soon as I walked into the room, one of his associates threw a book in front of my face, and I walked up and you know, so I took the book, walked up in front of the uh, uh, the, the, the audience. And I held the book up, and I said, uh, and I showed the audience the book, and I said, a hustler and a pimp. It just so happens South uh, Black Wall Street was uh, created by someone or in the name of someone that was a hustler and a pimp. That was Malcolm X. And so I'm taking that to say that 
we had, I think it was yeah, last week, we did not have a program, but we had a uh, a discussion or a dialogue with a hustler and a pimp of Malcolm X. And I can say when we had that dialogue, I'm sorry we did not have it on on the radio per se, but it was one of those uh, found connections between people that was 15 years old to 77 years old. 77 years old was Al Wynn, author of The Hustle and the Pimp, but there was 15-year-olds. There were people of all age ranges in that program last uh, Thursday. Uh, and I believe it has a good reflection of what we are as a uh, as a people uh, as we move forward to our agenda of Black Wall Street. Not saying that we all hustlers and pimps, but we did have to come through a hustle out of slavery, and we did sometimes witness the the frustrations of pimping on ourselves to the point of where we are now is coming together to represent the community as a whole through the agenda of Black Wall Street. So it just so happens that when you stated it, I just hear some reflections of where we've been, where we're going, and how it all has to do with uh, 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 Black Wall Street and our agenda, uh, even to the point of the, today we did not have our planning meeting for Black Wall Street because we had a special emergency uh, that just came up last night. And that was um, that maybe about three years ago, again, when Black Wall Street got started, um, using one of the quotes of Malcolm X, who was a hustler and a pimp, is that if we don't begin to establish the businesses and the uh, operations of controlling our own community, we're going to turn around and other people are going to do it, and it's going to be too late for us to do anything about it. That is really what happened uh, last night. Uh, we were somewhat sleeping, and we got an email last night that um, the city of Chicago was going to have a zoning meeting this morning regarding granting uh, Korean business people land in the black community on 59th and Halsted to open up a commercial strip on one of the black Wall Street districts here in Chicago. So we had to rush downtown this morning and oppose that legislation. But it was basically halfway being asleep. Yes, the elected officials should have brought it to the community attention that this is what they were proposing. But there was somebody that woke us up to indicate that there is a concern about our government granting public property to Korean businesses in the absence of informing the community and letting us know that, that that's what they're going to do, where the community themselves was not given the opportunity uh, to do the same thing. So it is a continued intense agenda. It seems as though as soon as we're working on something and we're moving forward, then another issue popping our way and that we have to stand up to address 
the agenda of sustaining and increasing black businesses. So this is just another uh, uh, agenda item. You know, again, we started at uh, one Black Wall Street district. Now we're up to 17 Black Wall Street districts in the Chicago and uh, areas that's including Gary, Indiana, and Imperial, Illinois. So our agenda is moving forward. I think a lot of that has something to do with our coming up guest, uh, with uh, Ms. Cheryl Calvin, who is the vice chair of Black Wall Street, as we move forward to our uh, Summit 16. This is going to be July 9th of this year. So we're moving, and in all in between that, one good thing that was very heart-filling was earlier this week where we met with uh, about six or eight youth, and youth has been on our agenda since the beginning of Black Wall Street. But this earlier this week, we met with these youth, and uh, they identified with the purpose and the agenda of Black Wall Street uh, somewhat more than more than just about or equal to many people that have identified with it. And in that session that we met earlier this week, they came up with specific agendas. Now, these are youth that... I'm not going to use the term that they are uh, pimps and hustlers, but they definitely have had their street life experience, and they definitely have been doing their hustling, even though some of them are college graduates and some of them are uh, educated on the streets. But they have identified with the purpose of Black Wall Street. They have came up with some agenda items where they're going to form a business school among themselves, and they're going to form within 30 days a location of opening up storefronts on a regular basis. They're going to look for the money. They're going to come up with the business plan, and they're going to come up with a core unit of a movement establishing black entrepreneurship under the banner of Black Wall Street Chicago. That was one of the most um, uplifting spirits uh, that I had uh, working with Black Wall Street, how the youth have finally stepped up from the uh, the leadership and the guidance of Miss Felicia Miller. Um, and to a great extent, somebody named um, Sonia Perdue has some background insight in making that happen for your information. Well, thank you, Mr. Carter. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA with Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, Ron Carter. I'm Sonia Perdue, co-host for this session. That was a great meeting, Ron. Uh, I couldn't be in it because I'm working on some other agendas right now, one of my other 30 jobs (laughs) that I volunteer for and and get off into. Let's – what was the outcome of the uh, dialogue with Malcolm X as far as you are concerned? What was the outcome for that? Well, you know, I think, and you know, I was somewhat kind of um, moderating the discussion, and in doing so, um, what I have realized and what I've heard is that what is missing is the a presence of a Malcolm X. 
that is what I heard from the uh, uh, from the direction and the frustration and the need and the marketing in order to change the conditions. And I asked that question twice during that dialogue to see if I can ask it a different way, to see if I can get a different answer. And then I asked the um, the, the crowd again. I said, well, maybe you all are just a minority <laughs> and that you all are the ones that think this way regarding the 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 spirit and the leadership of another Malcolm X to be present. And they responded that, no, they are not a minority. They are basically the spokespersons of the majority. So um, that was pretty profound to me. Uh, and, again, because it was someone in the room that was as young as 15 years old to the elderly age of 77, that expressed that same type of sentiments. Uh, let me ask you, what did you get from it? Uh, what was so profound about it um, coming you know, from you? Well, uh, profound to me is the question that you asked me when I come, came in that day. I was listening to black radio that morning, and I did not hear Malcolm X mentioned. That's number yeah. one. Yeah. Um. I I was on Facebook and I saw uh, Malcolm X mentioned, but I saw more postings about high heels and other silly things than I did anything else. And that maybe Facebook is something totally different to me, you know. Um, but what came out of that meeting, a uh, dialogue with Malcolm X, and this was hosted last Thursday at the Office of South Street Journal just for our listening audience, and it was video recorded by Global City. Uh, and that is George Owens. We want to thank him for being a part of that. Uh, I think what came out of it for me in watching it, uh, watching Wait a minute, you've seen, the, you seen the video already? No, I haven't seen it. He's, he, no, oh, he's still okay. editing. He's still working on it. Okay. All right. <laughs> yet. I think okay. it was the young people who were enjoying it so much and loved yeah. it so much. They Correct. were, that was the most, you know, important thing that I saw, just loving it and just enjoying it and just enjoying being in part of the uh, the dialogue and having a dialogue in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the most important thing. Yeah, and it seemed as though they knew enough without knowing anything to be just as equal in the dialogue regarding Malcolm X and the current conditions. You know, I, I really can't even think if no one did not know. I think it was just one individual, which is a 15-year-old young lady, that probably did not get it all. But all the rest of the young people, I had no indication that they was not aware of Malcolm X. So it just seems though it just flowed very good. And I guess one thing helped where we played the words of Malcolm X, you know, it's the difference when we talk about what a person says opposed to hear from their mouth what they said and how we responded to his actual words. So uh, really I can't wait until, or maybe I don't know what we're going to do, Sonia, but I don't know if I can wait to uh, 2012 to do that again. 
Well, I, what I suggest is that we do do it again, and we probably do it as a radio show and uh, call some people in to, to have another dialogue uh, with Malcolm X because it, it is needed, and that feedback uh, was important. I look forward to possibly doing that same thing in the spirit of Tulsa from the mouths of the young people. I think we talked about this this, this week, uh, the youth committee being involved in spreading the word and uh, teaching the history of Tulsa, Oklahoma, 1921, and how it relates to building black businesses in our current era. So I'm looking forward to those type of dialogues as well. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA with Sonia Perdue and our host, Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. Before we go on a break uh, in a couple of minutes, why don't you just update us on uh, what, uh, update our listeners on what they can expect from the upcoming summits on July the 9th? Well, you know, each summit, um, sometimes we get into a pattern that, uh, is somewhat kind of routine. There's always something new that happens at a summit that give us new directions that never fails. But for this summit, which uh, I'm going to start calling uh, Sweet 16, because it is going to be our 16th summit, uh, I'm going to be pretty nervous about this summit, uh, Sonia. Uh, because the youth said that they're going to turn it out, you know, and that's really I am quoting them. <laughs> they said they're going to turn it out, but they got okay. some specific agendas. Uh, there's been a lot of collaboration that we have not had before with the University of Chicago, the Chicago Metropolitan Area Planning, uh, different um, elected officials, uh, representatives even from the White House, um, and the collaboration with government agencies as we go into our program with Cheryl Calvin, that is a, a mixture within itself based on the collaborations of, of different agencies and different organizations. And then uh, we have Satira Richardson that has been focusing as our district coordinator where there is talk that they want three black Wall Street districts on the west side. And naturally, this issue on 59th and Halsted regarding these Koreans being granted land on one of the black Wall Street districts which is going to be the headline in next week's issue of South Street Journal, and that's going to be a peak. And uh, then another agenda is with this parity legislation, where it is something new regarding uh, how blacks, and not only blacks, any nationality, would get a fair representation of parity based on their racial um or background of their particular political ward. Uh, and then we have a group within Black Wall Street that is putting together a financial fund in order to fund the operations, and which also that may include um, 
area investments, uh, John Rogers, to be present. Uh, so this here particular summit is going to be very strategically organized. I believe that we probably, instead of saying 8.30 to 4.30, I believe we're going to have to add another hour. Cheryl Kelvin may not like that, <laughs> but it is going to be a very intense uh, summit because of the many collaborations around the agenda of Black Wall Street. Many government um, uh, agencies, uh, the, the parity legislation with the contractors and the youth, um, you know, in their terms, that we're going to turn it out. Now, you know, sometimes you have to, I was a youth before, but whenever a youth said we're going to turn it out, you got to pay attention. Uh so there is some very strategic operations within Black Wall Street for this summit that's coming up July 9th. We are a month uh, behind, uh, a month and a half behind for the summit because it should have been this month, but based on logistics, logistics moving forward. And then internally, there will be half or almost a whole new board uh, members of Black Wall Street as well that's going to take place. So I will some kind of way think of a way to call July 9th Summit as the Sweet 16 um, Summit. <laughs> and we're going to have to play around with that, Sonja, to see exactly how we're going to do that. But it will be intense, but there are ongoing issues uh, opposed to just being programs there are issues that are addressing this coming summit. And when you have issues, then there is some dialogue that have to be discussed. But, again, we have to create this summit as a resolution driven with the frustrations of some of the issues that we've been working on. Uh, so, yeah, Sweet 16 Summit is uh, – and, you know, I have some gossip about this coming summit, too, Sonia. Maybe I'll hold it. It might have something to do with you, but I'll leave it alone. And, and that's okay. I can, I can handle it. You listen to Black Wall Street USA on Blog Talk Radio, but I do want to hear it. Our host is Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and publisher of, South, of the South Street Journal. I'm Sonia Cassandra-Purdue, founder of CBBN, and your co-host for this evening's show. Our phone lines are four. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. We want to thank each of you for joining us, and we want you to be patient as we go to this break and bring on uh, Ms. Cheryl Cavan, Vice Chair of Black Wall Street Chicago. We want to know who's following the money designated in our communities. We're going to be right back with our Chairman and our Vice Chair of Black Wall Street Chicago, so stay with us. It's a people problem. That's you people and me. It's so easy But we could solve this confusion if we tried instead of shooting. Plus, there's no excuse when we have mouths that could use them for apologizing and acknowledging fault instead of falsely accusing, making threats, shouting, and verbally abusing. You see, we could blame race because it's easy and it's legal, but the one common denominator, people, is it's a people problem. People. People. Ooh, it's people. If you open your eyes, 
feel the other person's heart beat. And that heart becomes something that you want to take care of. And this is what we're lacking. The problem is not money or the lack thereof. The problem is people doing evil things to get it and evil things with it. Humility has totally left us. The reason I'm here is to help you, help me, help us. It's a people problem. If you open your eyes, the problem is people that Listening to Black Wall Street USA on Blog Talk Radio. Our host is Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Purdue, co-host of this segment. Our phone lines are full, and we want you to be patient because we do want to get to each of you. Let's bring the chairman back. Our caller number is three four seven three two six nine four seven seven three four seven three two six nine four seven seven. 
And uh, Ron, welcome back to the show. Let's uh, introduce our first guest. Okay, that'd be great. First guest is uh, our first uh, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, Cheryl Calvin. Good evening, Miss Cheryl Calvin. Good evening. I don't know why he called me his the first chairman. I'm not the first chairman. You're the first. You're the first. Uh, you're the first. Yeah, you are the. Fir- I'm sorry. The first vice chairman. Thank you. Let's get it right. However, you have been taken on a roll as the first. Uh, sometimes I heard somebody say something about you're the mother of Black Wall Street Chicago. Um, how did you ever be able to? sustain yourself with this uh, organization and first of all who are you and uh, what's your role of being involved with Black Wall Street well like you said my name is Cheryl Calvin and I am vice chairman of Black Wall Street the first vice chairman of Black Wall Street recognizing that there is a second Mr. Armstrong Um, I came to the organization um, let me see, right after the first, we had one summit, and I missed that one. I came to the second summit, and I've been here ever since, even through uh, illness, still sticking around and helping where I could, and then getting right back into the grindstone as soon as I was physically able to. So I've been around for the last four years, and um, uh, my role has been mostly like the uh, mother hen, if you will, of the organization until uh, the government oversight uh, directed my uh, uh, mission into uh, more less of a facilitator and more of an action-driven uh, role of uh, watching uh, government legislative funding from the uh, legislative body to the government agency that's responsible for releasing those funds to the community it is intended to serve uh, with special interest being in the uh, African-American community. And okay. the uh, then I've been progressively moving that agenda forward and, of course, supporting other initiatives. Um, so kind of keep my hands involved with just about everything, some aspects so that I can speak on everything going on, but the government oversight is the one that I'm uh, chairman of. Well, when we look at that term, uh, government oversight, uh if I can be blunt to say, does that mean God looking over government, or what are you talking about? Well, um, I would like you said God looking over government. Well, you said oversight. Who's who's oversighting the government? I mean, the only uh, of the United States of the Chicago. What are you oversighting? Uh, and um, that, that seems as though that is a big title uh, and responsibility to over be overseeing the government per se. Uh, so. What is the details of the oversight? Well, the, obviously it's our government oversight because we focus on uh, legislative funding. So we're not involved with every government issue. Um, so if you were talking about Medicare or something of that nature, that would not be something that uh, I would be involved in. But we're talking about uh, funding that's legislated for predominantly um, uh, depressed communities or underserved communities. That's the funding that I'm uh, looking at, and the the primary funding stream that we've been looking at lately has been through the state of Illinois, because that's the largest um, funding pool we can look at, of course, the federal dollars, uh, those federal dollars that filter through the state, 
will still be uh, the largest um, amount of money that we can follow. So that uh, was the primary focus. And this is something, you know, you tend, you tend to do things out of passion uh, and need as opposed to just doing things um, because you, you just like doing them, especially when you are working on a volunteer basis like we are unintentionally volunteer, but volunteer nonetheless. Um, but when you do that, you do it from a passion. And what I recognize passionately was that for the last four years that I've been involved with Black Wall Street, dealing with um, grassroots organizations, that's our predominant uh, population or constituency. Um, so if you deal with a grassroots type of, uh, of businesses and organizations, small businesses and organizations, I began to recognize that there was a resounding uh, tone that came from the people that was consistent, and that was they are not receiving funding resources that were intended for our community. So I had just started to get a summit, and in fact, I'd like to see a show of hands at this upcoming summit of those who have actually received funding at any level uh, of government. Uh, and, and when I say level of government, of course, I'm referring to uh, city, state, county, or federal. Um, they're just not receiving the funds. And not only not receiving the funds, but not necessarily being the benefactors of what's happening with the funds that are supposedly being released. So um, when we were at a uh, town hall meeting, for instance, uh, recently when Washington... Cheryl, one, one moment. You know how we'd be having those conversations and I'd be saying something to you about your, your phone? <laughs> Is it muffled? You know what? I actually called in on the landline, which I still have up. And if uh, she wants to pull that, 77390, we'll give you the rest. But if she pulls that one, um, it'll be a much clearer call. I'd actually still have that on the on the queue. If she wants to pull that one, it'll be a better connection. Yeah. Can you see yes. it? Okay, Pardon? if you pull that one, that's me. I left it up in case you said this was going to happen. This happened. That's the 7792 number, Cheryl? No, it's 980-773-980. Okay. Let me try that one moment. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. This is Sonya. Okay. What happened? Are we here? We're going to switch phones to uh, go to our vice chair. Are you there, vice chair? The seven seven nine two is me. One moment. Let's go back to her. That sounds like shocker. Cheryl, we're gonna to have to come back to you on this line. It's I not showing up on my switch for one moment. Yes, this here is Chicago's Black Business Network uh, coming to you live, trying to get our phones together. We're talking to Cheryl Calvin, who is the uh, first vice chair of Black Wall Street, addressing government oversight. Uh, we do have some callers on the line um, that are interested in this uh, subject, and uh, we will be coming back. Real she shortly, should, she should be on the line now, Chairman. Can Can you hear me at nine eight zero? Yes, ma'am. We can you hear go you ahead. much better. There you go. Okay, so I'm going to hang up the other phone, and you can hear me. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, great. I want to make sure you weren't giving feedback from that other phone. Yeah, I had both phones open just in case you told me you couldn't hear me. 
But um, so nonetheless, uh, back to the government oversight, again, it became a position of power, I mean, of uh, empowerment, if you will, based on a passion that uh, we rec- I recognize. Because our mission is to increase and sustain black business. And um, that wound up being a great need because I was finding out about all this money that was actually tangible money that you can actually see and be able to apply for and talk to the people that were giving the money out and even talk to people that were receiving the money. But it just still wasn't the people that were in the room. Well, uh, uh, we had a meeting some time ago with um, uh, Representative Davis and Representative uh, Connie Howard, and they somewhat have, if you can address this, that they stated that they passed legislation that is earmarked to the black community that do not even get to the black community. How can you elaborate on that? Yeah, and I wouldn't call it earmarks. You don't want to confuse it with earmarks. Um, earmarks would be specifically to uh, a specific organization when you do earmarks or oh, okay. a specific project. But mm-hmm. these are grant funds or loans. Um, obviously, we weren't interested in the grants and the loans in this in this economic situation. But what they what they were referring to is they had been passing legislation for funding that was intended for the black community. Now, when they say intended, if you read the actual legislation, it never says African-American or black community. It actually says something like maybe urban depressed or underserved or underprivileged or underrepresented, something of that nature. And then they may go on to say minority, and then they include women and Hispanic, whatever. But uh, for the most part, I actually don't even say women and Hispanic, they might just say minority. But they won't say black in the actual legislation. But so is that how we of, be missing? Not, that's not the only way. The intent of the legislation then is on the head and arms of the uh, legislators to push the intent. So once the legislation passed, they can go to the government agency and say, you know, this money was intended. All the arguments can be around the intent, but the legislation cannot actually, does not actually say that. So what happens is once it goes to the government agency, the legislator then has the opportunity to ensure that the intent of the legislation is carried out. Well, by, we have by, a, uh, go ahead. By, by imposing upon them um, that they ensure that those monies and guidelines and grants and things of that nature actually uh, go to a predominant number of African Americans, um, if that was, was the intent of the legislation. So what I typically look at is legislation that actually was sponsored by a black caucus member because I know that the intent is there, and so if it doesn't happen, then I have the opportunity to hold the legislator accountable for the intent of the legislation. Okay. Well, um, is this here is an absence from our elected officials being able to inform their uh, uh, their people about funding that they can take advantage of it. What's the uh what's the gap? Uh I think the, and, yeah. I think I think the gap rests in not only the lack of informing because like you said we did talk to um Representative Will Davis who also is the co chair of the Black Caucus, um, which means he is the chair of the House and the Senate for the co chairing of the Black Caucus. And what um, what we found is he had a lot of uh, he, he he based his um, um, 
outreach to the constituency on the work of a de- deputy director that was appointed to work in the office, I mean, in uh, the state of Illinois to get that money out to constituencies, to, the, to their constituency. And we expressed to him at that time, while that may be the what you think that that person is doing, it appeared that they were only talking about legislation that pertained to perhaps legislation that he sponsored or his primary concern for legislation. However, not only the monies that come through that office should they be able to resp- uh, report on, they should be able to tell us about monies that are in other um uh, offices within DCEO, Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunities, that's the state of Illinois where most of the money goes through. They should be able to tell us about money throughout the other offices within DCEO as well because we're not just subject to the money that's legislated to us. We are um, we, quali- we would qualify for monies in other areas. But what we found is they were only telling us about money that were available at that moment and that had a primary interest such as uh, urban weatherization initiative. It was like one piece of funding mm-hmm. that they were talking about, though there were 80 pieces of legislation, I mean, uh, funding legislations that were going throughout the state of Illinois at that time. We only were being told about one piece. That was right. a piece that well, was intended for the African American community. That didn't come to us, by the way. Now we have a caller on the line, uh, Sonia. Listen to Black Wall Street USA with host Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Perdue. Let's go to a caller who's been on the line for a while. Area code three one two, first three numbers four two eight. You on the you on the air with Black Wall Street USA? What's your question and where are you calling from and who are you? In space somewhere. And they went and they went silent. Hello, are you there? Oh, that's me. <laughs> yes, my name is Shaka Barak. I thought that was your voice earlier. How you doing, Brother Sh- uh, Sh- uh, Sharak? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, Calling from Chicago. For those that don't know me, I enjoyed uh, what I've heard uh, from Sister Shirley and uh, the chairman of Black Wall Street and Sister Sonia Perdue. You're just uh, excellent in what you do. Uh, you tell the tale, you tell it well. I enjoy listening to you. I especially was looking forward, am looking forward, I will continue to hold on uh, for Kingsley Jones, uh, author of Curing uh, the Poverty Disease. I think on the one hand, while we look to see where uh, the to follow the dollars, as uh, our friend used to say, from A to Z, uh, we also uh, can really benefit from uh, Brother Jones when we look at um, curing this poverty disease. In fact, this ought to be a perfect marriage. Black Wall Street, which is um, building and sustaining black businesses, curing the poverty disease, and I hope it deals with developing a positive mindset about wealth. And then the African village, uh, my baby, which is uh, defining the geographical area of the village, its boundaries, its perimeters, and the day-to-day operations of a village, a council of elders, etc. So uh, in July, uh, July the 9th, uh, I'm looking forward to participating and, and attending and, and absorbing all that uh, Black Wall Street will will be and represent. And hopefully, uh, Ron, we can maybe get together on some ideas uh, for our youth uh, they're, you know, 
they're at the top of the list for many of us, as you know. Well, have you heard the beginning of the program as I talked about our youth initiative that we kicked off? Most definitely. And, you know, you, in did, June, did you hear that? Okay. June, well, June the 20th. We're, we're, so we're getting right there. They're going to be right. out of school, and they're going to be out of work, and they're going to be looking. So while uh, we're looking uh, to do some things on in July, there's some things that uh, ought to be done and can be done now to prepare uh, because the Rami Manual is preparing to put some more police officers on the beat, and their objective primarily is to lock them up and throw away the key. Okay. Well, Shaka, uh, would you hold on with us? Um, and, uh, Cheryl, we have another caller. Um, Sonia? You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. This is Sonia Purdue. We're going to go to uh, the caller in area code 951. They've been on the, the line for a little while, and we probably have people who are waiting for Mr. Kingsley. So probably what's going to happen after we go to this caller, we're going to invite our guests uh, to come on. We want Cheryl Kevin, of course, to stay on the line so she can answer any other questions that we may have and be a part of this dialogue. Caller, area code 951. Welcome to Black Wall Street, USA. Tell us who you are and where you're calling from. Hello? Are you there? And then they go to sleep. Okay. <laughs> are they over there multitasking? So Cheryl mm-hmm. Calvin is still on the line. We're going to go back to Cheryl Calvin. Well, so, sure. how do you assess this government oversight, even with the, the content of uh, Shaka, and also as we look to um, Black Wall Street mission of sustaining increasing black businesses? Uh, and sometimes there's, we know that government, as they get involved in politics, has a lot of influence in developing our community, such as when we went to the city council uh, committee meeting uh, today regarding zoning. Uh, does that get into government oversight? Uh, and is there a difference between legislation and and the policy makers or the implementers of um, legislation when it comes to government oversight? And how does it all come together with sustaining and increasing black businesses? Um, you guys can hear me, right? Yeah. Okay. You know, well, when it comes to the legislation itself, obviously that's the way the legislation is written. That's what the legal wording is, and that's what the intentions are, and it's what we're going to do with it. But then the money goes from the legislation. After they write it up, they also have to assign money to it. So. You may have money like the $425 million for the urban weatherization that's written up, but there's no money attached to that. So then the legislators have to come back and say, okay, now we're going to fund this legislation. Once it's done that, then it goes to a government agency. And even if you're talking about um, any type of um, dollars or things, say even talking about TIF dollars, the legislation is written one way, but the guidelines are created at the government agency level. So someone then comes back and says, okay, this is how we're going to break everything down. Um, For instance, if you look at some funding that's coming out now, it's called EOGP, Employment Opportunity Grant Program for the state of Illinois. 
is about a one paragraph piece of legislation, and somebody in their office did their own interpretation of what that legislation was supposed to be. So they created grant guidelines, and those guidelines from that came up with an application that you apply for. So somebody else wrote up the application. Then you send in your application for money, uh, even if it's a procurement opportunity. You send in your application based on the requirements for procurement opportunities, procurement being, for those who are not familiar, an opportunity to work for a level of government. You put in all your information, and then somebody at that agency then determines who gets the money. So, Hello? Yeah. Okay, so then um, that has uh, a bearing based on doing business with the government as well as, um, I guess, are we looking at businesses actually uh, receiving grants uh, from the government as well to implement sustaining increases? Yeah, that would be my only reason for looking at this money is for grants to businesses and organizations in the black community. So we're right. always now we have another money. we have another caller on uh sure want to uh bring her on um Sonia. We're going to try once again uh 951 you're with Black Wall Street USA. Did you have a question? Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me? I'm sorry. I had muted it. This is brother Robinson. Yeah, yes, how you doing brother Robinson? Good evening. You're well, you're on the show, and we can hear you. Go ahead. What is your question? Yeah. You, you know, he, uh, the brother mentioned something earlier about the Korean community, and one of the things you, we know in Los Angeles, and maybe Brother Kenji can speak to this, is what type of voting block uh, does this community represent that they're able to trump <laughs> the existing community? Wow. Well, Chicago just had an election. Uh, this past uh, February and this past um, runoff. Matter of fact, that particular ward, the 16th ward in Chicago, there was a runoff election. Um, and they asked the question, what type of voting block to prevent this type of action? Uh, that takes us into uh, politics versus business. Uh, and, and I believe that if we look at Chinatown here in Chicago, Chinatown is do not have no elected officials whatsoever. But Leon's Barbecue Shop is not going to step foot in Chinatown. Now, they're not going to step foot in Chinatown when Chinatown do not have no Asian elected officials. So it seems as though Chinatown have a solid foundation in their community and who goes in their community and who don't. Now, in this particular community in Inglewood, Inglewood is known as one of the most poverty uh, communities in Chicago, but Chinatown or Asian people, Koreans specifically, are being granted land in this particular community in which we're calling a Black Wall Street district. So the voting block is maybe getting to a little bit what Cheryl was talking about, and I don't know how this can intervene with your subject, uh, Cheryl. Well, well, can I say this? This is the economic link. When they give them land, you have the grocery stores. When the grocery stores go, you'll see banks. 
when you see that Korean won from Korea come in, this is definitely an economic play against. I mean, this is at the very heart of what you all are talking about. Then the dollars, and she talked about the appropriations, will flow. I mean, look at Koreatown in Los Angeles. It's exploded because of what you just talked about. You take on, give them free land, and I don't mm-hmm. want to disparage the community, but you have the banks come in. They buy, if you remember the uprising in 92, I mean, you see, if you go back to that area, the Korean business owners was able to get that stuff dirt cheap, come back in and resume their businesses. But they're able to then have those dollars exchange hands a multitude of times, and you at the heart of it, you have Korean banks. No, this is definitely an economic issue. You right. Well, have, sure. If, you, if we can, if, if have, I can kind of phrase this question as he put it, is the even though the city is getting ready to grant, is in the process of granting these Korean businesses land, they are a granting. I think, Cheryl, you indicated to me maybe about well, a couple of weeks ago where it was this Walgreens um, in the 19th Ward where they was giving uh, these big this big acre of property for $1. And I went online, and they also are allocating funds for this developer uh, from the city, TIF dollars, for this developer when they, the city gave the property to them for a dollar, and then they allocated funding to this here particular uh, development as well. Yeah, How does they, that they, relate to government oversight uh, opposed to just grants, or that is a grant that they actually give them, even if they give the property to them for $1, that is still a grant. And I think that the caller asked the question, how do we intervene when this here is legislation that has already been passed and now is being implemented by the government agencies? Um, for one thing, in regards to, like you said, uh, the developer that you gave the example of that was able to build the Walgreens, and if something else they built on the corner, there was a bank or something like that they built on that corner, but something else that they built on that corner. Um, but what they did was, like you said, they got the dollar, and then they got a, they actually valued the land, I think, at like $499,000, and then they gave it to them for a dollar, and the difference was given to them as some type of um, set-aside money. So I don't know where that funding comes from, but they showed the $498,999. They showed that as uh, extra money that was put to the side for them. It was a consideration for them, and then the 1.5 million they got to do some to do the, uh, the development of the land uh, for well, the purpose of which it was intended. But but when we talk about the Koreans, just to let you, uh, maybe people don't know, but I, I I also follow who is supporting um, different legislators in their campaigns, and the Koreans were very strong. They got, they got together uh, back when President Obama was running. Um, and even when he was a senator, they have they have a very 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 strong business pool of businessmen and women. And then they um, they worked with uh, the president President Obama when he was senator of the state of Illinois. They worked with him and met with him. I, I, I've actually read documents for which they have gotten together and their community comes together and forges a strong unity. 
Um, so they did that. They did that at every level of government. So while you don't see what's happening with the Koreans, they, it's not just all of a sudden it's, you know, 10 stores being put up. They have a whole bunch of Korean businessmen and women to get together, support legislators, and let them know what they want. And I think in the African-American community, we have a tendency to wait until after we vote somebody in to tell them what it is that we want to see in our community. Um, and that is a subject to um, um, relationship meaning you're going to ascribe to this before you get in office. And something like what we did with the parity piece, we brought it to Rahm Emanuel before he got in office, which gave us an opportunity to get our footing prior to him being elected. So that's something that we typically seem not to do. When I asked other people who were involved in our mayoral election, what was your agenda that you put in front of the mayor, I was told, by, surprisingly, oh, well, we're getting ready to put an agenda in front of him now. That's what you should have been put in front of every candidate before well, now. Well, so we tend right, to well, miss we, that. We, right. Well, we definitely took that. Uh, I would like, if we can, Cheryl, for you to uh, be a part and, and stay on with us, because I believe as we are talking about the government oversight and even as uh, Shaka brought up his terms and then as the caller from Los Angeles, brought up the accountability. It takes us into the subject of our guest, Mr. Jones, addressing uh, curing the poverty disease. And it seems as though uh, from this conversations that we've been having here today is that government seems as though it has a role in creating a disease. And I'm not for sure if that is the proper way to put it, but I'd like to bring on our, our guest, uh, Mr. Jones, who's a, a commentator for some of the nation's top uh, uh, news and TV programs and has appeared regularly on uh, many shows, such as the Marketplace and uh, Interlight Radio and the National Public Radio. Uh, Mr. Um, Jones, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank you so very much for having me. Well, our pleasure. So were you with us at the beginning of the program when we first started? Uh, yes, I was. Yes, I was. So give us a little bit about you, and I know there's a lot, but at the same time, same time how does it come together in the discussion uh, uh, prior? Well, let, let me just give you a little bit of background. My um, my background is in economics. I studied economics at a small black college back in Nashville, Tennessee, Fisk University. Uh, I did graduate work right down the street at TSU, uh, Tennessee State University. I'm presently uh, working on a, another master's uh, in uh, education and uh, entrepreneurship at uh, Pepperdine University here in uh, um, Los Angeles, California. But um, mostly my experience has been in business. And uh, the curing the poverty disease, uh, um, it is not a disease of the uh, pocketbook. It's a disease of the mind and a disease of the spirit. You see, when a community has the poverty disease, uh, absenteeism is high. Uh, productivity is low and less wealth is created. Not only is absenteeism high, but also presenteeism, 
And presenteeism is when you're there, but you're not really there. So we have to find ways in understanding the game of economics. When we understand how to play the game of economics, uh, we will be able to compete in boardrooms uh, like we compete on ball fields. You see, the, the wealth-building process, the wealth-building process is uh, accumulation, it's preservation, and then it's transfer. Accumulation and preservation are the first two steps, and transfer is where you pass the baton to the next generation with a running start. And if, you, if, you, if, you, if you've all run track before, you know that uh, you have to prepare the baton, the receiver of the baton, uh, uh, to run with it prior to receiving it. And in many instances, we haven't adequately prepared the uh, receiver to receive the baton, and also we are now not uh, uh, generating a will. We're leaving them a won't. And it's biblical. That, that a wise man leaves his children's children an inheritance, uh, but we've been absent of that uh, of that concept uh, in this this particular generation. See, the generation that preceded me, uh, I'm uh, I'm a, I'm a product of the 50s, and, but and the generation that preceded me, they did a mighty fine job in terms of uh, opening doors and blazing trails and creating opportunities. Uh, this generation that we're in now, we've become somewhat of a conspicuous consumption generation. Uh, we believed that all the resources that come our way were intended for our consumption. So we wore it, we drove it, we lived in it, we 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 we, we flew to it. Uh, we have to understand that all of these resources that come our way, they're not intended for our consumption, and that we're conduits through resources are supposed to flow, and we're supposed to empower and to bless the generation behind us. So this poverty disease, again, uh, uh, is not a disease of the uh, pocketbook. It's a disease of the mind and spirit. And let me just briefly say, even in what we say and what we speak, words are so very powerful. And we have to be careful about the words that we speak. You know, I'm a, I have a program called uh, uh, C Cognitive Nutritional Therapy and cognitive nutritional therapy is word food. It's it, it's a, it's a word diet. See, words are like food. Uh, verbs are like vegetables. Give me an example of such a word that you look at that may be a word of disease. Well, let me give you an example, uh, brother. Uh, uh, words in general, uh, first of all, are like food. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. So we have to make sure that our words that we speak, nutritional speak. See, more times than not, the language, the music, the news, all of it, the words are toxic and poisons. So if we could learn how to speak words that are nutritional, and this is what I call a language of prosperity. These are words like research and development and copyright and patent, ownership, equity, interest, dividends, capital gains, hope and promises and prayers. Versus uh, some of the words that you hear in our rap songs, some words, some of the words that we hear uh, uh, that have these very negative and toxic connotations. Uh, uh, again, are, are they, they, these are the, the once we learn how to speak these words and they become a part of our psyche then we will change our uh, conditions. But right now we don't understand research. We don't understand development and copyright and patent. We don't understand how to take ownership of our thoughts and ideas and intellectual properties. And you do that through copyright, patents, and trademarks. Competing in this environment is critical. And once we learn how to compete in this environment, again, we'll compete and not only compete but dominate in boardrooms like we dominate on ball fields. But we must understand the rules to this game. I mean, does that well, make sense if, for you? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. I would like to try to get a focus on 
this uh, curing the poverty disease. Where did the disease, I understood what you said about the, the passing the torch from generation to generation that would have helped to prevent such a, uh, a poverty disease. Uh, but where is the primary source? Is it related to what Cheryl Calvin was talking about when the government intervened in economic uh, agendas to, uh, for, uh, I guess, um, benefit of others? Or has this disease been created by our not passing the torch? Where does this disease actually develop from when we're talking about poverty disease? Let me just share this with you, is that uh, we have to fault the society that creates the environment that allows this disease to exist, okay? But this poverty disease is, is, is contagious and is hereditary. It, it's, it's hereditary because you catch it uh, uh, from your practicing the bad habits of your father and your father's father. But but you but it's also contagious, so you catch it from the people that you hang out with. Association okay. brings about assimilation. So we have to make okay. sure that we create environments and, and, and cultures and systems that will allow us to thrive, uh, allow us to, to not only work for money, but allow our money to work for us. Uh, and that sounds kind of uh, clichéic, but we have to understand uh, what it means to be in business. We have to understand entrepreneurship. See, we've been taught go to school, get a good education to get a good job. And get a good job is not necessarily the right answer. You go to school, you get a good education so you can become an entrepreneur and you can actually give jobs. Changing our perspective is critically important. You know, uh, now, we have a, a, first of all, I'd like to ask if our vice chair, Cheryl Calvin, have a question, and then we do have a caller on the line as well. Cheryl, uh, do you have a question for Mr. Jones or... I, I, a statement I do. concern? Yes, I, I do. Um, you mentioned intellectual property, and I and I thought that was very interesting. Of course, you were talking about um, nutritional word for our uh, economic, I would say economic development and stability, and you mentioned copyright, patents, trademarks, and intellectual property. And I had a question because uh, recently, I mean, obviously with the work that I do, um, somebody asked me, what do you intend to do with this work after you find out all where the money is and where it's going and things of that nature. And it was recommended that I do an impact study that would allow us to be able to determine what's happening with this money and then use it to create ideas on um, uh, 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 on other ways that we can be using taxpayers' dollars in our community when you're talking about money instead of set our community. So from that perspective, then, you are um, you, you're creating um, a, a concept, and how do, how do you protect that concept if you're talking about intellectual property? Would you then do the research, because that's part of research, and research is a nutritional word that you said, um, do the research and then create this, this uh, report, if you will, but then what are you doing? Are you For intellectual property, would you say that you're going to copyright it or uh, or something of that nature to, to protect the work? Because I don't know how to protect the work after the work has been, been done, you know, so that others are not taking infringement upon the work that I have put so much time and effort into on behalf of our organization. 
Well, well, one of the ways, uh, and, and thank you very much for the question, my sister. One of the ways that you can take ownership of those those properties is you have to create uh, a, a a system, and you have to create almost like a curriculum. And in, yes, in, in that in that curriculum, uh, now you can take uh, ownership. And, and see, many times when we have a job, uh, our our employer uh, gets to take ownership of our thoughts and ideas. So if you create something under the watch of your employer, they take ownership of that creation. Uh, when you are an entrepreneur and you are uh, then then you have the opportunity and the right to take the ownership of those same ideas and thoughts and intellectual properties uh, i 've created a curriculum for example uh, and it 's a curriculum that uh, uh, teaches uh, entrepreneurship uh, uh, that, that, that that teaches job preparedness that teaches these different uh, things and and uh, uh, i 'm able to sell that curriculum to different schools and different institutions uh, because uh, I have ownership of that cu- curriculum. Does that make sense to you? Yes, and I, I appreciate that because I, I mean, that was another. So these are all patterns for which I'm already involved, um, but it's just like you're stumbling upon it. I look, what's the name of your book again? Can you repeat the name of your book? The the uh, uh, the entire campaign is called Curing the Poverty Disease. And if I may, I'd love to uh, just drive you to my website. It's uh, www.erifbc.com. That's Economic Research Institute for Behavioral Change. And uh, you can click through the uh, website, and it will direct you and kind of teach you. And it also has uh, contact information where I, if I can be of further assistance and service to you, I'm willing to do so. Uh, one of the things that we have to to understand that uh, in our communities, uh, we really have to be uh, prepared to serve. And I'm, I, I hear Sister Sonia, uh, uh, and I'm, I'm so I admire so much about uh, uh, her service. And we have to understand that the definition of leadership is service. And when you want to be a bigger and a greater leader, then you serve more. So uh, I admire those who are out there on the front line, uh, that are in the trenches, and that are serving. Uh, but at the same time, a servant is worthy of his or her hire. So we have to make sure that we take care of those who are, in fact, out there uh, on the front line uh, serving. You like that, don't you, Sonia? That also, that they can continue to do so. Absolutely. Right. Okay, Sonia, we have another colleague. Yes, we do. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network, and your co-host for this evening's show. Our host is Mr. Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and the publisher of South Street Journal. Our guest this evening is Mr. Kingsley Jones, author of Curing the Poverty Disease. Also joining us this evening is Ms. Cheryl Calvin, Vice Chair of Black Wall Street Chicago, and Ms. Calvin is the head of the Government Oversight Committee, and we're going to have to have Cheryl on for an entire show. Join us every every Thursday evening for Black Wall Street USA because we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, We're here at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. every Thursday evening. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. Other callers on the line, you need to press the number 2 in order to speak to our guest. Let's go to the caller from area code 904. You've been on the air quite a while. Still there? Area code 904. Welcome to Blackwell Street. Thank you. Go ahead. Yes, I am. Thank you for having me. How are you doing, sir? Your your name and where you calling from? The caller's name is Boone out of Jacksonville, Florida. Yes, sir. Uh, I, want to, I want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be uh, privy to this information as Black Wall Street has always been 
our economic boon, and we have forgotten completely about the atrocities that have taken place in Tulsa to, uh, to uh, eliminate that. And the carnage that took place took place on the souls of us. And Dr. Kinsley, uh, Brother Kingsley Jones, is one of the most uh, accurate uh, prognosticators, if you would, of uh, the current state of us as a people. Uh, the disease of poverty uh, is also due to cognitive nutritional development to the nutrients aren't there to develop the brain power to be able to assist us in navigating all of these businesses and the terminology and a willingness to update our game. And my question is, is that why haven't we, outside of uh, Brother Jones, formulated a national think tank that can uh, produce the information necessary to navigate this and put those entrepreneurs on track and support them with the support base that they need for services to uh, become uh, employers. Mm. Mr. Jones? Dr. Boone, I really uh, appreciate that. Uh, uh, let me say to you that uh, uh, you said uh, that cognitive uh, uh, nutritional uh, food or that cognitive nutritional science, we all know that you can't master uh, quantum physics eating corn dogs. We've got to make sure that we've got the right kind of uh, uh, nutritional thought uh, so that we can, in fact, uh, uh, take the next level. Um, in answer to your question, uh, a think tank is, uh, uh, in fact, uh, in place. It's just a matter of uh, uh, it's a think tank and or an incubator, a business incubator that can not only uh, uh, refine these thoughts and ideas, uh, and, but take them, from, we call it 3M, from mind to matter and then to market. Uh, uh, mind meaning uh, taking your ideas, uh, making them into something tangible that you can see and feel and touch, and then finally take them to the marketplace. And in the capitalistic society, that's where you get paid. Uh, so, uh, my brother, if you do indeed visit the website, uh, you'll see the uh, 3M program, the Mind to Matter to Market. You'll also see... Uh, Dynacirc, which is a dynamic dollar circulation. Uh, um, there are several different ideas that we have that we're taking these uh, uh, entrepreneurs and teaching them uh, how to actually even taking uh, uh, tomorrow's entrepreneurs today and teaching them how to, to, to finance and also to take their products and services to market. Who are some of these people part of this uh, think tank? Well, some of the uh, people that we have, we have a, a, a wide and diverse range of, of, of professionals um, uh, that, that are involved uh, in, the, in our think tank. Um, you know, it, it, we have them listed, and there, there's so many to, uh, um, for me to, to, to name. I wouldn't want to name all of them today, okay. but uh, they're listed all along the sides of our uh, uh, website. We have uh, PhDs and uh, MDs and, and, and uh, uh, medical professionals uh, because uh, we, we, we have to make sure two things are, are, are attacking our ability to earn wealth. And we haven't addressed one of them, and uh, the, the other one is health. Uh, because right now, you know, obesity and, 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 and obesity-related illnesses are rampant in our communities and our society. And what we have to do is to make sure that we take control of these issues because uh, wealth without health serves absolutely no purpose. So we do concentrate and focus on several different areas, and we make sure that we're addressing all of these issues because uh, uh, health can also prevent us from earning our wealth. So with this think tank, uh, is it a uh, even how is the public is going to be or should they be or need to be informed that such a think tank exists to, uh, using the title of your book, 
curing the poverty disease within the black community. So is there a strategy of implementation to the general public? I understand that you did say that there are uh, classes and there are uh, 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 directions that they have, but is there a time frame or should there be a time frame for it to be introduced to the general public? Absolutely, there's a time frame, and as we speak, we do uh, every Thursday uh, uh, in uh, Los Angeles and surrounding communities, we do a men's huddle. And we do a men's huddle because we come in and we discuss some of the issues that are impacting and affecting our communities. And, and uh, uh, you know, and I'm not a, 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 a sexist, uh, but uh, uh, initially we started with the men because I believe that if we're going to cure this poverty disease, uh, that we have to work from the micro to the macro. You work from the center to the circumference. And if the family is at the cellular level, the father is the mitochondria. He's the center of the cell. So what we are doing is we're developing strong providers and strong protectors protectors and teaching them uh, about how to take care of their seed uh, so that they can, in fact, take care of their families. And when you have a healthy family, then you can have a healthy community, and then you can have a healthy country. So it really starts with we have to back it down with building strong individuals, and and uh, uh, that go, even goes back to uh, this, this cognitive, again, nutritional uh, um, thought. Um, uh, words now, again. this here is on a this think tank is uh, on a national. I understand that you said you meet in Los Angeles. Uh, yes, however, we have groups. We have groups that are meeting in Los Angeles. We have groups that are meeting in Florida. We have groups. Uh, uh, I just left uh, Hempstead, New York. Uh, we have groups in Chicago. Uh, excuse me, uh, Atlanta, Georgia. So they are uh, uh, all over the country. We'd love to formulate and to 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 develop some of these think tanks, even in the uh, Chicago and surrounding communities. Okay. Well, like if I can to bring uh, Brother Sharak uh, Barak back on, if he's still there, uh, because he mentioned. Uh, a similar focus earlier in the show. Uh, Brother Shaka, are you still here? Yes, I'm still here. How do you um, uh, comprehend um, Brother Jones and his analysis of curing the property disease with the uh, activities and programs that he is uh, implementing? Well, I agree with him 100%. I would also... um, suggest that many of us need to build what I would call the um, health, uh, success, and wealth personal libraries inside of our homes. One doesn't acquire the type of knowledge and insight that Brother Jones does without being a reader. As his law said in old cliche, uh, readers are leaders. And so uh, at the same time, I hear him saying that he is reproducing himself. In other words, all that he is acquiring, he's not holding on to it as one does who might be selfish, but he's sharing that with others. And now, my thing is that... Okay, uh, Shaka, your, your, your voice is fading in and out on us. Are you moving around? Uh, you... I don't know what's happening. Let me speak up. Will that help? Okay. Yeah, matter of okay. fact, that sounds better. Okay, I'll use this volume then. Uh uh, Brother Jones, uh, as you heard earlier, uh, my interest is in uh, Black Wall Street and certainly uh, eliminating or curing the poverty disease, which so many of our people are are victims of, victims of maybe even self-imposed. 
um, but certainly society must have some responsibility for the conditions of our minds. Uh, but we are the cure. And uh, uh, the whole village uh, suffers uh, because of this poverty uh, disease. And what I'd like to see happening is a, a relationship between uh, institutions like yours and, and Black Wall Street and, and mine where we begin to infiltrate or saturate the African community in particular uh, with the wealth-building, wealth-creating uh, ideas or the principles of success. We've uh, had numerous amounts of people who have been teaching the principles of the laws of success, Napoleon Hill's, um, uh, Anthony uh, Robinson's, uh, the um, um, uh, black uh, uh, businessmen and women who are now out here who are also promoting their books. And, and, and our people oftentimes, if they don't have the money, uh, the resources don't attend these conferences where uh, the Donald Trumps and those who uh, have made millions of dollars um, charge a few dollars, a nominal fee for them to attend. So uh, there's a lot of so a lot. The poverty disease is also based on ignorance of uh, the wealth uh, processes uh, that uh, that are being made available. And our youth are probably the biggest um, uh, uh, victims of this poverty disease because even if some of our adults end up reading or end up attending these conferences where wealth is being discussed, the youth are seldom invited and, 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 and are seldom uh, able to get the knowledge. Uh, sometimes they do end up like um, Brother Johnson here in Chicago who built uh, Ebony. I mean, they do sometimes get a, a foot in the door and then they make things available to others. Uh, Oprah will get a foot in the door. But for the most part, uh, the masses of our people, that's why over one-third of those people uh, live in object poverty. So um, I'd like to discuss how do we, again, you know, look at, like, Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're nearing the anniversary of this destruction, this total destruction, uh, May the 31st, where uh, it was 36 square blocks, four and a half miles of a territory that it was – due to segregation, of course, that we were forced to come together, and the unintended effect was that we had to spend our money with each other, and we created millionaires, and we created businesses. But well, now, if I can, not, Brian, can, I, can, can I share yeah, something prior with to you? Your question, uh, prior to your answer to that question, I'd like to kind of add on the amendment to this question based on a program that we had, uh, which I talked earlier, and we were talking about business when we celebrated the uh, the birth of Malcolm X in which a lot of the youth indicated that what they needed was a a, a Malcolm X of, of, of business. Uh, and as that may relate to how Shaka is indicating how do we bring the message to the community, uh, even to the point of the uh, think tank. So how do we, uh, as Shaka put it, how do we bring those resources of the, the, the think tanks and the, the organizations such as the Marcus Garvey Institute, the Black Wall Street, and your group together to reach those uh, that disease that's happening in this generation? One of the tools, my brother, is uh, uh, is uh, uh, is technology. See, we, we, the, the the cure to this poverty disease is education, it's information, it's technology and prayer. 
Uh, education and information is the medicine. Okay, technology is the delivery system. We have to edutain our people. Uh, we have to deliver this message through music. We have to deliver this message through media. We have to deliver this message in everything that we do. Uh, uh, when the brother spoke about words and reading, see, there are two types of words. There's a there's a logos word, and that logos word is that written word, and that word is to be studied, is to be understood, and is to be uh, uh, um, interpreted. Uh, but there's also a rima word, and a rima word is a is a healing word, it's a right now word. You, you see, you can't tell a baby that's crying for milk, don't cry, baby. You can't pat him on the back and say, don't cry, baby. I'm saving for your college education. See, that baby needs a right now word. Our people are in need. It's Rima time. We need a right now word. Now, there are some right now solutions, but many of us are perpetrators. Many people, many of us uh, of our entrepreneurs today, uh, uh, they, they mutate. Uh, uh, they're in our communities. They're parasites, and they suck the resources out of our community, and, and, and they're black businesses oftentimes. Uh, um, and, and what they do, they look like bank tellers in the morning and bank robbers in the evening, you see, they're 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 what I call uh, 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 firefighters in the light and arsonists in the dark. What you have to do is because they're taking these resources, they're not employing us. We have this problem right in our own community right now, yeah. where they take yeah. the money out of our communities and go, which represents a leakage in our community and an injection into another. Let me just say this to you: a dollar in a Jewish community circulates seventeen times. A Jewish doctor spends with a Jewish attorney, who spends with a Jewish accountant, who. Spends with the Jewish grocer, etc., etc., etc. The result of unhealthy circular flow of money is crime, illiteracy, poverty, unemployment, all of the things that we experience in our own communities. If we are going to change our condition, then what we have to do is to take the first step. And that first step, just like a doctor treats you for hypertension, the first step is behavior modification. He's going to tell you diet and yes. exercise. We have to behavior modify. It's imperative mm -hmm. that we change the way that we spend. You don't vote every four years or every other year. You vote every single time you spend a dead president in a capitalistic society. So we have to know how we're spending our dollars. And if you want to chase somebody out your community, you don't have to protest them out. You don't spend with them. So it takes discipline to do what we need to do. And teaching that discipline to our generation and the next generation is what's going to help us to cure this poverty disease. Am I making sense to you, brother? Well, I want to get to, to I, what, what I'm reflecting on is the meeting that we had with the youth, and they indicated that they needed, uh, and I understand that we all step up to be leaders, but at the same time, what I'm hearing from them is they need that not that leader in development or not that leader that is being nourished, but they need that voice right now in order for them to listen. And as Shaka indicated, how we must bring those uh, entities, such as the, Malcolm, uh, uh, the Marcus Garvey Institute, uh, your organization, the Black Wall Street, and even those organizations, if possible, uh, that are in question um, in leadership to be able to send that message very strong. Uh, there was a, a a focus in the uh, in the uh, dialogue with Malcolm X. Uh, we're preparing uh, for a revolution to avoid a riot. Right. And if we're going to, and if we don't prepare for the revolution. We're absolutely going to have a riot, such as uh, Chicago witnessed a riot just for the sake of 
a basketball game here. Right. You know, the Bulls won, and we let out our frustrations in a riot. Uh, Los Angeles over um, something that happens every day, somebody getting beat up. So, but in the absence of the 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 voice, and I guess I want to kind of trigger on Shaka's words of how do us that are in leadership be able to have that voice, which I heard that you said that that is what they need, regardless well, you know, of brother, how we want to nourish. That, that is what they need, uh, my brother. But see, our youth right now, this is why we're in a crisis situation. See, our youth, they're out there dying, and they're dying so young and so early. You see, if Brother Malcolm had died at age 21, we would only know Chicago Red. You know what I'm saying? Correct. So, so we have to make sure that 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 we allow our leadership to develop. We have to to cultivate it to grow our leadership. Some of us need to get out the way so that these young folks could take the, the baton and run with it. Uh, uh, they've got some great ideas. There's some genius in our youth, uh, but many of us are, are 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 got old and tired ideas that don't work. That's why they don't follow you. See, my dad used to tell me something about the truth. The truth needs no. Uh, hyperbole. It needs no embellishment. It needs no exaggeration. The truth is the truth. See, uh, a a half-truth is a whole lie. Omission of material fact is a lie. Figures don't lie, but liars can figure. You have to make sure that you get the right kind. You are you. They know who's out there on their behalf, working on their behalf, and who's not. So again, when we're out there and we're doing, uh, we're delivering a real message, the truth. Then, then our, our our young folks will indeed follow. My brother, I wish you could see what's happening here uh, in Los Angeles and surrounding communities. Uh, uh, after we speak these words of empowerment, you know, I've always said that our young men are going to grow to be kings, and the kind of words that we speak to them determine the kind of kings they become. Whether they're Don Kings, Rodney Kings, or Martin Luther Kings, we're growing some kings out here. And when we speak these words, where they're, they're they're growing up, they're taking, they're becoming empowered, and they're moving out, and they're doing the right kinds of things, and and, and it's a viral. Uh, 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 kind of infectious uh, uh, atmosphere where, where we're making some progress. Well, we are in the uh, process right here in Chicago of doing the same thing with our youth. Uh, Sonia, we have uh, another caller. Okay, you're listening to Black Wall Street USA. This is what we're going to do. Uh, Mr. Jones, curing the poverty diseases, I guess, this evening, along with our uh, Vice Chair Cheryl Calvin, she's on the line with us this evening. I'm going to go back to the 951 area code because he may have some comments about uh, Mr. Jones and all the comments um, uh, since, he's came on, since he came on the air the last time. And what we're going to do, we're going to give 904 an uh, opportunity to make some final comments as we close out the show. So let's go to area code 951. Sir, do you have any final comments for us? Mr. Jones kind of tied everything together neatly. Every time you spend a dead president, you vote. So I asked you a set-up question earlier about the voting block and the Korean community, something that he tied together the number of times the dollar changes hands. So here's my pledge to Mr. Jones. I'm going to give his organization $100. And the reason why I say that, and the sister uh, hit this right on the head, they are a political action committee because they shared their resources. They presented our president, a black man, with an economic plan that he couldn't refute. 
one of the accounting things, and so I'll out myself. When the sister said you could take it for a dollar, but then you book it at its fair market value, you just increase your balance sheet exponentially. City of Los Angeles, City of Chicago, all of those parking lots, city can declare eminent domain, sell it to the highest bidder, and grant that money to whomever they please. So Mr. Jones just tied all of this together, and this is what I want to do on the air. And I challenge everybody else because I've been to countless um, city of commerce meetings, business development meetings. People talk ad nauseum. Uh, the Better Business Bureau or what's the latest, uh, any of the groups where the businesses get together, and he mentioned this, no one leaves there with a contract. No one leaves there with a dollar. Everyone leaves there griping. If we yeah. want to change things, too, instead of protesting like he said, let's buy shares. You all got LaSalle Street, the commodity. We don't control collard greens anymore. Neither do we control black eyed peas, but we're the heaviest consumers. We have money because we'll spend it on Stacey Adams, I will too, on haircuts, $30 a pop. So why can't we pledge? $100 to Mr. Jones, and then the sister was worried about the intellectual property. His organization could do that. Not a corporation that excludes, but a collaboration that includes. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's what we've talked about. At this point, each time Black Wall Street gets together, and if you read the story of Wall Street and how it was created, J.P. Morgan used to plant stories on the street. He manipulated the stock. He was a billionaire of that day. They had to take the mess inside because they were straight hustling on Wall Street. Read the history. Black Wall Street, we know, was bombed from the air because the brothers got too much. So my thing and my challenge to everybody is, if the sister needs intellectual property, if the brother in Florida uh, is think tank and Mr. Shaka wants a youth, let's pledge $100. Each time we get together, put $100 in that organization. And then when you talk about creating wealth, it will grow like the Koreans' wealth exponentially. If right. you walk well, in there with a billion dollars on the table, what's a few hundred million? Correct. Well, Everybody we have a, has to play. And I'll right. stop with that. All right. We have another caller, uh, Sonia. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. We're going to go to area code 904 for a final comment. You're on the air. Yes, Sandra, this is in Jacksonville, Florida, and I'm still hanging on. I've been in and out in lightning communication, and what we were talking about is I developed a curriculum, as uh, Brother Jones had stated earlier, back in the 70s. I built cable systems, and was, I developed a curriculum called Human Engineering. We took young men and women uh, from FETA and slate programs and turned them into PR people to become service technicians and, 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 and installers in that industry there. And the way that uh, I went about it with a cadre of individuals was that we developed a better understanding of teaching people how to learn. Person art for a person to be uh, to learn anything or comprehension or understand, you must be aware that that area of consciousness exists. And the brothers were speaking in terms of the leadership that we have here we have so much blind, uninformed leadership when no one has been able to update their game. We've gone into an international level, and this is how you see the Koreans coming in here. They put their resources together 
as the brother said, not only their resources, but they bring trust and their commitment, and they protege and mentor each other. Those programs and those words have left our vernacular, and I understand it as needed to do. Uh, I'm only saying this from the standpoint of this here. You have a unique uh, situation in Chicago. I got my training in Chicago from a gentleman by the name of Renault Robinson, uh, uh, Police Afro League. I organized well, yes. the Police Officers Association in the city of St. Louis here when I got out of service. So and uh, in order for me to get the information I needed, I had to go to where the action was. And we have to study on the individuals and the masters. We got to seek these masters out and be protegated and mentored by them to be able to uh, utilize the rich resources that we have and the resources that we have as our human capital. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely uh, speaking the same language as each one of us uh, tonight has been focusing, and um, and as we do so, is just the idea of how we network. Naturally, um, uh, here in Chicago, uh, Shaka has been an instrumental part of building Black Wall Street, along with uh, Cheryl Calvin and also uh, Sonia Perdue. Uh, and I want to kind of backtrack on uh, Shaka Works again, is how that uh, Black Wall Street here in Chicago connect with um, uh, L.A., connect with uh, Florida, and in light of the quote-unquote leadership that has more of a vision of leadership and not talking the economics of, as again, using the title of the book, curing this uh, poverty disease. Um, Black Wall Street is going to be having this national summit, uh, the second national summit in October, October 21st, Twitter 23rd. What takes place with all these other national organizations, uh, black national uh, organization and all these summits and these conferences is going to be going on. How do we lock into each other is the question that I'm proposing um, uh, among you all here tonight. Well, I think we do what Brother Jones does. In other words, uh, he's laid it out, and we're not unfamiliar with um, those who have tried to teach us the principles of success. Um, so we need to do that. We need to uh, take, have the courage to take this information to our community. Uh, one last point before I go. Uh, we did an excellent uh, discussion earlier with Sister Cheryl talking about the Koreans. Just a little information. There are over 100,000 Korean students in the U.S. And the Korean students are at Harvard University and they represent a third of those in these major institutions. So when we at some point talk about competition, uh, we'll need to know what are they doing and why are they successful. Because even though you run into the Korean and he speaks the English language, sometimes it it seems as though it's challenging for him. Uh, Intellectually, uh, they are, as a country even, at the top of the list, along with the Japanese, along with the Chinese. So uh, our job is cut out for us, but I think that we've been prepared since the beginning of time to meet this challenge, and we will win. 
Okay, well, let's uh, go to uh, Mr. Jones. Uh, first of all, maybe in tip for Mr. Jones, if uh, Cheryl, if you can give some uh, closing remarks, and then I'd like to, Mr. Jones uh, to uh, um, give your closing remarks as well. Uh, Cheryl? Um, I really was um, – this was, this was a profound conversation, um, as most of the uh, topics are. Uh, Mr. Jones touched bases on um, health and uh, wealth, and and um, it's ironic that we, you and I, Ron, met with the uh, University of Chicago last week. Uh, I mean, this week, for which they also identify um, that health and vitality in our community is an economic condition, um, giving the indication that if we had economic development. Um, as opposed to economic deprivation in the African-American community, we would recognize greater health and uh, vitality uh, given that those who are um, economically inclined tend to have better health, therefore stabilizing and ha- having a more vibrant community. Okay. I don't know if the chicken comes before the egg or the egg before the chicken, but definitely um, we do need to be looking at at our health issues, and a lot of the health issues in the African-American community are based on diet as opposed to our true diseases, if you will. So that being said, I would like to uh, next time have an opportunity to touch bases on that a little bit more. At least Mr. Kingsley can touch bases on the the health uh, concerns a little bit more. Okay, so in your closing remarks, Mr. Jones, Mr. Uh, Jones uh, can you uh, kind of give us a closing based on a direction of implementation? Well, let me just say this, is that, first of all, uh, um, the sister is absolutely right. You know, uh, mortality is the number of years that we live, and morbidity is the quality of those years. And we really have to concentrate on the quality of life. You can be alive on a respirator and live to be 100, but there's no quality of life. Uh, so we really have to focus and concentrate on uh, on, on, on health. Uh, obesity, like she said, is rampant in our communities and in our society. Uh, we, we Once you have obesity, then you develop the 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 uh, uh, the diabetes and from the diabetes the peripheral diseases of the the apathies the retinopathy the neuropathy the nephropathy these are all diseases that impact our communities uh, uh, um, more adversely than other communities uh, we really have to concentrate on taking care of our ourselves physically then we can actually become more uh, uh, productive uh, in answer to how we can uh, we have to be prepared to 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 really invest in ourselves see uh, uh, we'll 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 go out to the store. We'll go to the mall and spend $150 on a pair of tennis shoes, but we're not prepared to spend $150 on on a on a on a a, a program on on a on a class on on something that's going to help us uh, that's not tangible that we don't see uh, that that will help us develop and to cultivate uh, our our beings. We've got to understand that we're tripart beings. That 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 we have to develop all three parts of this tripart being. Reading is to the mind what running is to the body and praise and meditation and worship is to the spirit. What reading and running is to the mind and body. So it's imperative that we cultivate and develop all three parts of our tripart being. Lastly, my brother, we've got to invest in ourselves. There's nothing short of spending dead presidents that's going to cure this poverty disease. We don't have to concentrate on 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 loans. You know, I I have a a a, a, a T-shirt that says uh, uh, I don't need no loans. It's called reparation wear. It says I don't need no loans. 
won't just pay me my money. Uh, I have one that says, uh, 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 my ancestors labored as slaves for 400 years, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. You see, let me tell you this, brother. We've got to make sure that we are out here spending dollars with each other. And if a brother does you wrong, you got to not do business with, say, I'm not going to do business with no other brothers. I got to do business just not with that brother. Spending dollars with one another is the answer, my friend, and that's where we've got to go. Well, I definitely want to thank you, and we want to follow up. We want to network, and we want to get some implementation. Um, can I leave my uh, email address, my brother, if you don't mind? Sure, uh, email, and if you can, is there a number? I know that uh, um, Sonia have your number to get in contact with you, but if you want let to. Me, let me leave it. I'd love to. My, my phone number is area code 323. 323- Three nine three nine seven nine one. Again, three two three three nine three nine seven nine one. My email address is Kingsley K I N G S L E Y B is in boy J O N E S at yahoo dot com. And my website is www dot e r i f b c Frank Beverly Charlie dot com. That's Economic Research Institute for Behavioral Change. Uh, my brother, I thank you also very much for having me here this evening, and I look forward to uh, spending some more time with you. Well, we definitely appreciate you very much for being on with us, and we are going to make those uh, connections. Uh, Sonia, again, one of those intense. Uh, Chicago's Black Business Network talk shows on um, Black Wall Street USA. What you got to say, lady? Most definitely. We want to thank each of you for uh, calling into the show this evening, and we definitely want to set a date to continue this dialogue uh, with the plan of implementation, as the chairman said. Our guest this evening was Kingsley Jones, author of Curing the Poverty Disease, and uh, we learned a whole lot this evening. Our other guest was Ms. Cheryl Cavan, which I, which I know she's coming back again, Vice Chair of Black Wall Street Chicago and Head of the Government Oversight Committee, because we're going to need a whole show for Ms. Calvin. If you'd like more information about being a part of Black Wall Street Chicago, you can reach the chairman directly at 312-624-8351. 312-624-8351. We're here every Thursday evening right here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., and we want you to be with us on Thursday, Thursdays <laughs> and be a part of what we do in sustaining and increasing black businesses across the country. You can listen to a rebroadcast of this show every Saturday at WJPCChicago.com. That's WJPCChicago.com. We certainly want you to come over and be a part of all that we do. Ron, do you have some final remarks for us? Well, I definitely was enlightened. Uh, I believe that um, we definitely have to look at those connections of implementations on the vast work that we all are doing. Uh, and we are and putting ourselves on the line based on what I know of uh, Shaka, what I know of Cheryl, and what I heard from uh, Mr. Jones and the callers. Even though we have just been introduced to those callers, I can feel in their spirit that they are implementers. And so we want to invite everyone to our national summit on October the 21st to the 23rd, and in doing so, um, let's see what type of connections that we can have to make sure that we are all connected uh, for
I, I want to go back to that Mr. Jones said that, that is a reminder to me. Uh, I'm a workaholic. You're a workaholic. Cheryl's a workaholic. And probably everybody else on this line and listening is a workaholic. And he is absolutely 150% correct that we do not take care of ourselves and pay attention to ourselves personally. And I think we need to set some standards for that, Mr. Chairman. Well, I will go and check out my toothache maybe tomorrow. If it's still hurting me tomorrow, I will go to the doctor and I will get this tooth. I just don't want to lose my tooth. Oh, my But anyway, yes, all right, I'll take out the health. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I want to to remind everybody that – ETS and Chicago's Black Business Network will be hosting a job fair on June 22nd over at the Fernwood United Methodist Church. That's at 157 South Wallace here in Chicago. That's 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. I also would like to make another announcement. I've got another job. I only have like 20. And I, um, I'm honored to be the Community Affairs Director for WJPC-FM Chicago. And I'd like to give away some free advertisement. If you will call me, 312-239-8835 through June 15th, we're going to play your ass for free on WJPC-FM Chicago, the soul of Chicago. So, Ron, uh, I look forward well, to Well, are you going to place week. that announcement in South Street Journal, and we're going to charge you for an ad, or are you going to barter, or what are we going to do here? I mean, I got a newspaper, you got a radio station, so what's the deal here? Uh, we could barter for that, and we can. Uh, that's June fifteenth, but uh, we're going to build up the listenership over there, and we're going to get uh, some mass communications and jointly with South Street Journal and WJPC and Chicago's Black Business Network. Uh, we're going to get some advertising packages out there for them, so that our small businesses can start to grow by massing, by marketing to the masses in our city. Mr. Carter, thank you. You are so well, again, welcome. Sonia, I definitely uh, am enjoying this here program. It's definitely intense. Uh, we do have to uh, find a way to get that Malcolm X uh, dialogue that we had, uh, and I wish we could have taped that youth meeting that we had uh, this past Tuesday, which uh, was another great dialogue uh, that is overlapped with our conversation uh, this evening. So uh, there is some things that are happening. Uh, we just have to uh, show it by examples as we move forward. Absolutely. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. We look forward to you being back with us on next Thursday right here at 7 p.m. Have a great evening. Good night, all. <laughs>